Well, we are in the uh, fourth part of this first series. Now, we did this because, of course, we're in the first part of the year. And everybody's kind of thinking about, let's tweak our lives. Let's, let's you know, go. And, you know, it's where everybody got excited and got, you know, their, their new gym membership. And, you know, and, and this is the, the you know, the, the part of the year where you finally go ahead and take that little card off of your keychain and, and decide it's too much clutter because you're not going anyways. And, and the, you know, we're here at the end of January and realizing, you know, some good intentions maybe not may be fulfilled. And, but January still this time when we're, we're thinking about shifting our lives around. And we want to make sure that we're doing this from God's perspective. And so we started out and we initially looked at what it, <clears throat> what it meant to put first things first. And that God was the creator of everything that was life-giving. See, we understand that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So that's what he wants for us. That's his purpose. So as we're growing in Christ, we're growing in life, in life that is real life. And then we looked at seeking God first and what that means. And then we looked at that if we're going to seek God first, then that's going to affect our relationships because God loves people. God loves the people that drive you up the wall. He thinks they're awesome. He sent Jesus for them, and you're like, he, they need Jesus. And uh, he, he was on target with that one. And, uh, but I'm telling you, God just, he loves people. And so if we start seeking him, guess what? He's going to start talking to us about our relationships, these things in our lives, and how, that, how his love can be reflected better in that area. Well, then also, as that begins to come in tune, then we're, another key piece of our relationship with God gets reflected in what we're going to talk about today, which we're, today we're looking at that we worship first, okay? So let's just go ahead and grab your notes, crack those open. We've got some fill-in-the-blanks. If this is your first time, it's just to keep on pace. And uh, so here in the first month of the year, I kind of already covered this, we want to make sure that we put first things first. And in seeking God first, we will find that we are wired to worship. God created us to worship. Okay, I don't care what civilization you go to, those that have heard the gospel, those that haven't heard the gospel, one thing that is the same across people is you will, they will find something to worship. Whether they grab a chunk of driftwood and they carve on it and slap some paint on it and set it up in a little deal and they worship that or they just worship creation as a whole or they get into worship of self, we find something to worship. Why is there that constant? Well, because we were wired to worship. God created us that way. I want to take just a second and go, okay, now why would God do this? Why would God make us to worship? Isn't this kind of messed up that God's asking us to be humble, but he tells us to worship him? Isn't that kind of egotistical? Isn't God kind of like you know, doing the opposite of what he's requiring of us. You know, we're supposed to be all, you know, humble and hear God say, you know, talk about how awesome I am. Go ahead, compliment me. You know, go ahead and talk about my better qualities. You know, no, that's, we, we think that's what worship is. But really, really, the case is, is that when you pull things all the way back, there is worship even within the Trinity, within the Godhead. There is worship. We see Jesus in his own ministry where he says that he came to 
<clears throat> to only do what the Father has done, that He is there to bring glory to the Father and that the Father has purpose to glorify or to make known the Son. See, true worship, it even happens whether we do it or not. It's happening even there. It is sitting there. It is shared. It is this adoration. It is this care. It is this recognizing. See, my wife calls worship, and, and she, she, it could easily be used, but she doesn't call it worship. She calls it woo. She wants me to woo her. You ever, uh, men, you ever had to, to woo? Man, put on some charm, be able to, you know. Now, she doesn't want any fake wooing. You know, she wants real woo. Not made up woo. And uh, she doesn't want me to go th- just through the motions of woo. Walk in the door. Hello, dear. You look beautiful. You're awesome. I love you. You're the greatest thing ever. Um, this dinner's great. It's so tasty. Um, uh, I-, I can't wait till the next one. Awesome. Love you. I'm going to sleep. No, she does not want that. And the same thing with God. When we walk in and have this time of worship, it's all that worship is is an expression of thanks and gratitude and recognizing the weight that that person has. We, we use this word glory. That word is translated weight or value. That is all that is. And we are wired to try to find and recognize value. We do that within our, within our friendships. We do that with, with <clears throat> different things. That's why we have you know, American Idol where this place of worship, where we're placing this value there, we are hardwired to worship. And that God within the Trinity, there is worship that takes place in there, this placing of weight, this placing of value that takes place there. And God's not requiring us anything that doesn't naturally happen in who He is. Remember, we were created in His image. So the things that come and flow through and in us are something that we're created in the image of God. See, you know, the animal kingdom doesn't worship they will defer. You have the alpha dog, and all the other dogs don't do, not because he's awesome, but because he's big and tough and he will bite you. They're afraid. They're not, it's not this place of worship, but we recognize value. We can see intrinsic value, and out of just sheer care and adoration, just give worship. God, also, one of the things that we have to understand is worship, our worship is not so much about. Tickling God's ears and making him feel good about himself. That God needs an ego boost and God needs somebody to stroke his M and make him feel better about himself. It's whenever, wherever we place our worship is where we're going to place our trust. We are. It's just the way it's going to be. And so we are required, we are commanded, we are encouraged to worship God because he wants us to trust him. We, through that act, replacing our weight, replacing our expectation on his shoulders. We are wired to worship. See, John 4, 23 and 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. See, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. See, this is the no fake woo deal here. This is the, the true worshipers, worship in spirit and in truth, that we are recognizing the truth that God really is great. 
We're not just saying it. It's not just something we read in the Bible and we're quoting back. It's the fact that he is. He really is great. He really is worthy of praise. It's not hyperbole. We're not stretching it. We're not blowing it out of proportion. We can't create words big enough to try to pull in God's greatness. It is just the truth. It is just the truth. See, Luke 4, 6 through 8 says, And he said to them, I, give, I will give all their authority and splendor. This is Satan talking to Jesus. He says, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. See, Satan is desiring that place of worship. He it for himself. When we begin to look at, at the whole why Satan, Satan was originally the worship leader in heaven. And he decided that he wanted that for himself. And ends up <clears throat> in a place of rebellion to God and is cast out of that. And he is now trying to pull that out of Jesus. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, worshiping God and serving him are entirely tied together. There is this battle for our worship. Where is it going to be given? Who is going to possess it? Where is it going to be placed? And so one of the first things we really need to, to understand as we're walking in this new year, that worship is so important. That what we're going to make big is so important because worship keeps us focused on how big and good our God truly is. See, we live in this fallen world, okay? Remember, we've talked about before that here in this world are life and death and blessing and cursing. There's stuff that reflects heaven itself and there's stuff that reflects hell itself. It's just absolute, horrible, gut-wrenching, ugly, okay? And the thing is, is that when we begin to get bombarded with, this, with the junk side of this life, because while we're breathing oxygen, both of these things are here. And when we get bombarded with the junk side of life, all of a sudden we can begin to shift our viewpoint and begin to forget the truth that there is a good God that loves us and has given us better promises that are yes in His Son, that are ours to have in His Son. And in this place of worship, it refocuses us and it reminds us of how big and good our God is. I tell you what, there's just something that just feels better. Whenever I tell my wife I love her and I really mean it, somehow that, that give, I'm not giving that love away and all of a sudden it kind of left and dissipated and now my little love level kind of, whoosh, kind of went down a little bit. Some more up so I can give it to her. No, somehow whenever I tell her that, I actually feel even more in love with her. Whenever I tell her how beautiful she is, she's beautiful to me. She looks a little more beautiful. Somehow in this giving of this worship, it just increases it and just becomes more clarified. Why? Because I'm focusing in on that. It is that same way with God when we begin to talk about how big our God is, how wonderful he is. All of a sudden, the rest of it kind of gets pushed aside and we go, okay, all this junk of life is trying to squeeze this out. And I'm going, mm, 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 mm. No, my God is bigger than this. My God is better than this. <clears throat> my God is here and he loves me. In this place of worship, that's why we start 
our service with worship. We could, you know, we could do it any place. You know, I could, I could teach and I could try to get you excited about how good God is. And then now at the end of the service, now that you're excited about how good God is, now we're going to worship. Okay? We could do it the other way. So why do we do it at the first? Well, it's because the crowd's bigger at the end and Pastor Brandon wants to talk to everybody. No, that's not the truth. <laughs> no, it's because this place of coming into this place of worship, it begins to, and we begin to give it to him, even if we sometimes are having to wipe the sleep out of our eyes. And all of a sudden, about song two, we begin to realize, oh, wow, God is good. God is awesome. Man, that's just true. God, I thank you for who you are. And then you just begin to give worship. All of a sudden it begins to, to, as a lot of people say, kind of begin to plow the ground of our heart and begin to get us ready so that then when the truth of the word comes in, I'm not sitting there throwing it against the concrete and it's just banging off. We're beginning to prepare our hearts and get it ready. Why? Because our, our God is good and awesome and he loves us. And of course I want to find out what he has to say. Why? Because he's good and awesome and loves me. That's why we put worship at the beginning. That's why we do it that way. <clears throat> because we want to prepare our hearts for that. We don't want to be, we don't want to, we want to have our tools done in the right order. There was a story of this, uh, and this guy that it was, it was a, a tough time. There's uh, a bit of a depression going on, but there was the logging industry was still going, and the jobs were really, really competitive. And this guy had pressed and pressed to get this, get this job as a logger, and had no experience as a logger. But he's like, man, I work hard. You will not be disappointed. So finally, the foreman lets him have a shot at being a logger, and says, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna try you out for a week. And so he goes, and man, the first day, man, he sits there, he gets issued his axe, he gets his stuff, and he's just chopping the trees down. He's just hitting it hard. He's just going at it. Trees are falling, all this stuff. And he's like, man, I'm just pushing it. He's working through, doing all he can to earn a permanent position on this logging crew. And he was supposed to get paid every Friday. Well, it shows up, and it's Thursday morning. He shows up to work Thursday morning, and the foreman says, uh, you can pick up your check on, uh, on the way out. And he says, well, I thought we'd get paid Fridays. Why am I getting paid? He goes, you're done. He said, whoa, 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 Why? how am I done? How am I already through? I've only worked for you three days, and I am the hardest worker here. I know. I've been trying to outwork everybody. I've swung my axe more. I have skipped breaks. I have skipped lunch. How on earth am I not why are you firing me? He said, well, your production was good day one. You, you were impressing us. Day two, it was only kind of so-so, and you hardly did anything yesterday. How could you say you were, you were working that hard? He said, you ask around, you find out. He said, okay, I will, but answer me this. Have you been sharpening your axe? He said, no, I haven't been sharpening my axe. I've been having too much work to do. I've been getting my work done. He's like, that's it. That's the problem. See, so many times we can get in this place that we get things out of order. We can think that worship is a waste of time. It's just Christian karaoke. <laughs> I don't even know these songs anyway. So I'm going to play some Garth Brooks and, man, I'll get it. 
I don't even know these songs. Just Christian karaoke. What's going on here? I, what is the big deal? I don't understand why I have to do that. Why do we do that? And then some people get crazy about it. They're raising their hands and doing all this stuff. And What's the deal with all that? Pastor Brandon goes, Woo! <laughs> Out of nowhere. What's he? He got issues? <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> I do that, and I'm sorry, team. I, I distracted Brandon this morning. He was worshiping. All of a sudden, I wooted, and, and I see him, and he's... And he, he smiles instead of saying, shut up. And, uh, but it's just this expression. Kind of, I get excited because our God really is good and he really is awesome. And you know what? To try to go through life, to just try to pound out this Christian life without taking some time to just remind yourself of who it is you're serving is trying to get out there and just swing the axe a little harder. You go, why am I not hitting the results? Why? Because you're sitting there, you begin to get dull. The things of life, all the things you're trying to do this Christian life to deal with are wearing you down and you more sharpened in this place of worship. It brings the focus of who God is. It is so important. Now, tomorrow, a lot of y'all got the email. Tomorrow, we're going to begin to do a fast as a church for a week. I'm encouraging everyone to participate on some level, Okay. Now, the most faster is, okay, you're asking us to not eat anything for a week. No, that's not what I'm asking. The purpose of a fast is to create some time, mess with your schedule, kind of scramble some stuff up, and create some extra time to have a deeper focus on God, okay? Some people do that with meals, okay, where you create some time. In the Old Testament, man, you, you take meals out, you created vast amount of time. Why? Because they, they didn't go to Taco Bell, Man, they had to grind everything. They had to kill everything. Meals were a huge ordeal. You take not eating out, you've got an awesome amount of time. It was like a little vacation. You just kind of kicked back. They took out, that was created huge chunks of time whenever they began to say, okay, we're not going to eat. We're going to take that time and we're going to focus on God. I would encourage you, maybe with this area of worship, Maybe you can decide to listen to a little bit different kind of music. Maybe you listen to regular Christian music all the time, rock and roll kind of fun stuff. And then maybe you can shift and say, okay, for this week, I'm going to listen to worship stuff. Maybe you don't ever turn on Christian music. Maybe you decide, you know, this week, I'm going to get me some, some stuff from my iPod, and I'm going to listen to some stuff. I'm going to take that moment. I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to... Set my radio to one of the multiple Christian radio stations we have access to in this community. And in case CRN is one of them. And begin to put that in you during that time period. Fast from that other input and put a new input into your life. Why? Because we have to take this time to worship. See, this is a powerful thing. We're going to look at Second Chronicles right here. And this is an awesome story <clears throat> and with the, the life of King Jehoshaphat. Okay? And, and this is uh, God speaking. says, And he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I want you to think about that for a moment. One of the things that you get reminded of in the place of worship 
is that you're not alone. God is on your side. That the battle really isn't yours, it's God's. When you slide over and re- to your place and re- remember that you're in Christ, that thing has to come through Christ to get to you. He is our victor. Minded of that. Now let's keep reading. It says, tomorrow march down against the enemy. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. Here they had God intel. Exactly where things were going to be. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I think there was some whooping that happened. I think somebody, woo! I think that happened. They praised the Lord with a very loud voice. And early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and they set out, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, watch, they come up with this idea. This isn't one of the peace God tells them to do. They come up with this idea. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They are going into battle. God has said, God's going to handle this. I'm going to win this for your behalf. You're not even going to have to fight. Now, you're going to have to show up. You're not going to have to do the fight. I'm going to do the fighting for you. And they decide. They're going to take the guys with the helmets and the spears and the shields and the swords and all the cool stuff, these gladiator-looking dudes. They're going to line them up, and then they're going to take the singers. And they may have had some tambourines. They may have had some streamers or something. I don't know. Something that looked kind of cheerleadery, probably. And they're going to put them in the front. And this was those guys' idea. Let us go first. And they're walking into battle. And they're not saying, you know, it's doing something cool. Or like, Chan, our God's going to beat you down. You know, our God's going to whoop you. Our God's... No, look at what they're singing. They're going out front and they're just singing, Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. They just talked about how loving God is. As they're walking in to battle. And they've got these guys up front. I tell you what, it takes some guts to have spears up there and spears back there. And you're up front and saying, my God is awesome. He loves me. His love never fails. It endures forever. And as they go in. Let's look and see what happens. They go in singing this. And as they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. God set an ambush. Okay, and as you begin to read, it wasn't that God jumped out from behind a a rock and God starts, you know, doing his taekwondo on them and taking them out. No, God's ambush, whenever you begin to read this, is they begin to turn on each other. 
they began to fight each other, and they finally, they, they slow every one of each other. And they're just all cut down. And then when the singers get there, out front, and the rest of the army with them, there's just a sea of dead people that were their enemies that they had turned on each other. See, I love it that God can take what Satan meant for bad and turn it back on himself. God tried, the Satan tried to have a plan against your life. Turn it back on that. I'm telling you, this place of worship is just so, so vital. They weren't just worshipers that day. They were warriors that day. They were, as they're sitting there coming and singing, I'm telling who knows what happened? Who knows what ticked them off? But man, they start turning on each other. Man, there's some, oh, God is just so good. The other thing we need to pick up is that we need to worship first. Man, a battle hits, something comes against you. Man, you just start talking about how good God is. Worship first. Said, but worship no matter what the circumstance. Now, here's 1 Peter 4.16. This is in the New Testament talking to us, New Testament believers. <clears throat> However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Okay? Now, this covers both ends of the camps here. Okay, folks? Now, it says, if you suffer as a Christian, and that means as a Christian, we don't have to be suffering. There's an if there. Okay? That doesn't mean we have to be going through the junk all the time. There's an if. Okay? The other side, because there's the camp that, you know, that says you, you're really serving God, then you're going to be beat up and whooped on. And so, tough things can happen. Okay? Then there's the other end of the camp that says, if you're really serving God, you're not going to have any problems. Life's going to be peachy, wonderful, awesome all the time. You know, it's candy land for everybody who's a Christian. And that's the other end of the camp. And this scripture covers those people too. And it's because <clears throat> it says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Because if you're over here, then if you're suffering, they're like, shame on you. You must be in sin. You must be totally messing up. Because if you were doing right, you wouldn't be having some issues. You know, this other one says, well, if life's going good, you just... Man, my mic is just going all over the place, in and out, everywhere. All right, let me get the antenna out of my sweater. Let me try that, see if that helps. Anyways, so it says, but praise God that you bear his name. I don't care what happens, no matter what the circumstance, give praise to God. Give him glory. See, Acts 16, we have another story here. It says that there was a... <clears throat> This place with Paul and Silas says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten after they had been severely flogged. I think flogged is bad enough. You have a severe flogging? Man, that's, that's just bad. And uh, then they were thrown into the prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he puts them in the inner cell... And fastens their feet into stocks. They can't even move around in their cell. They're in jail, in jail. Actually, in jail, in jail, in jail. Because they're in the inner cell, inside the jail. And so they're in that jail, and they're stuck in the inner cell. And they're in jail, in jail. And then they're in jail, in jail, in jail. Because they're in the stocks inside the inner cell, inside the jail. I'm telling you, they just have put it to them. They're just, boom, hitting them hard. And it says, about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, you know it's got to be dark when you're in the inner cell inside the jail. 
And then midnight in the inner cell inside the jail, it's just totally dark. And you know they're not giving them lamps or anything. They're just in the dark. They're just here. They're wounded. They're beat up. It stinks. It's a mess. It is not pleasant. It's in the middle of the night. They've stayed up on purpose because they're worshiping and they're praying. And here's what happens. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They were listening. They didn't join in. They didn't say, hey, shut up over there. They were just listening. They were paying attention. Seeing how things were going. And then suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. And at once the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. All of a sudden this element of freedom is brought to them in this place of worship. All of a sudden that full oppression is released. I tell you what, you'd say, oh, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't have a real reason to worship. I've had a really bad day. Okay, this, this is like one of the, you know, this makes the top ten bad days, you know. This is a rough day. And they, they worshiped. They worshiped in spite of the circumstance, in spite of it. I'm telling you, our God is good. Our God is worthy of praise. And then we worship. We need to understand that worship is a natural product of a thankful heart. See, they understood that this life was temporal. And even if the flogging had gone so far as to take their life, it could not take their eternity. And they were thankful for that. They were thankful for what they had that nobody could take away. And, that, and worship is a natural product of a thankful heart. See, James says, if anyone in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And then in Luke, we have a passage of Scripture that tells about these guys, that these ten lepers that were healed. And that they were healed and they all run off and, and do what they were told to do and show themselves. And one guy comes back and thanks Jesus and gives him praise for it. One guy goes and does that. And Jesus connected that place of him thankful and giving praise to being in a place of faith. In verse 19, he says, And, and then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. And then we look at Colossians chapter 3. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts towards God. Now, I'm not saying you can never have a bad day. I'm not saying that a, a good believer is just always, no matter what, is just going to always have this instant song on their lips. But that should be the place where we are getting to. That we don't let ourselves camp out in the place of griping and complaining. But we turn our focus towards our God and the promises that he has made because our trials and the stuff that we go through is temporary. See, Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and awe. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. Our God is just so, so good. 
See, God desires that we have true life, which can only come through him. And worship keeps us focused on our true giver of life. We've got to come to this place where we worship first. When we have God and his goodness on the brain, when things are awesome, when all of a sudden we've had the breakthrough, like the the leper has the place of healing, the other ones, for some reason, didn't return and give praise to God. Awesome. And then didn't return and give praise to God, whether it's having the, the blessings of God in our lives or the trials of this world at the moment. Worship should be a response on our lips constantly, constantly. Our God is so wonderful and so, so good. See, one of the things that can perpetrate kind of the mis, the misidea of, of God kind of requiring this place of worship out of us is the truth that says that every tongue will bow. I mean, wow, that's interesting. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And in my mind when I was a kid, I'd kind of always seen it as big God, you know, there at the judgment scene going, kneel before me. And uh, that's just not the case. It's just not the case. See, whether here while we're breathing oxygen or, or, or at a place of entering into eternity, eternal whatever, eternal life or eternal death, that we will all come to this place where we kneel before God. Why? Because he is good and loving. We will look into whether we've known him and accepted him here or not. We will look into his eyes of love. We will look into his compassion and him having given everything for us. 